Over the last several weeks, we've been in a series entitled Walk This Way. Walk This Way. Hey, if you haven't uh, checked it out, uh, if you haven't been here, go ahead, feel free to go ahead on our website at ctbny.com. Look at the Messages tab. You can listen to all our sermons there. Um, the podcasts are all there. Uh, definitely want to listen to some good stuff. How many have been blessed by this series? Man, I've been blessed. It's been helping me out. I've been growing a lot and learning some things along the way. But uh, as, as many of you might know, um, we've been in the book of James. It's really a letter. It's not really a book, but a letter. It's a letter written by a guy named James who happened to be the younger brother of someone that maybe you've heard about named Jesus. Now, that's a pretty big deal. But as we learned over the last several weeks, uh, there was a time in James' life where it wasn't much of a big deal to him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, it gives us clear uh, evidence in the Gospels, that James and his brothers did not believe that Jesus was Lord. Uh, scriptures also revealed that these guys actually chided Jesus. They made fun of him. Come on, Jesus, do something. Why don't you perform a miracle? Why don't you go ahead and do this? And Jesus would respond to them and say, it's not my time yet. And so uh, James was not uh, very different from you and I in many respects. Uh, there was a time when we didn't believe in Jesus, where we didn't believe in God, where we didn't understand it. But James did a lot of growing up. And James did a lot of growing up after he saw uh, come to pass what he had heard Jesus say, that he would die and that he would rise again. And so James did a lot of growing up, and he grew up to the extent that he became the leader of the early church. He became the first pastor of the early church, and he led the church through some trying times. Uh, they were enduring persecutions. They were being executed for their belief in Jesus. They were uh, wrestling with opposing views about what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. Some people believed that you still had to subscribe to the law and get circumcised. There was a lot of confusion going on. They faced a lot of conflict from within their ranks, but also from outside of their ranks. And in the midst of it, their faith was being stretched beyond what they felt were their limitations. Let me ask you something. You ever been there in life where you feel a little stretched? You ever been there? It just feels like, wait, what's going on now? And why is this happening? And I, Dios mio. For some of you, they might not, that just means, oh my God, right? <laughs> right? Or, OMG, you're texting it, you know, you're posting it, whatever, but you're being a little stretched. Well, you know, these people that James wrote to are no different than you and I. They believed in Jesus and they also were stretched. They were stretched beyond what they perceived to be their limitations. Can I just share something with you straight from my heart? Because I feel like some of you need to hear this. Some of you are being stretched right now to the point that you feel like you can't endure anymore. And let me tell you, you're made of tough stuff. You, you have no idea... How, how far you can go in Christ. But there's a key to it. And today we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about life in the stretch. Because you see, uh, God inspired James to write this letter. See, this didn't happen by accident, ladies and gentlemen. This word of God was not just written to these people that James was writing to. This word of God is written to you and I. And I, I think that we all prove that point and that we all understand we, we get stretched in life, right? And the word of God has something to say about that. I, I, did you know that I had a track career at one point? Oh, you didn't know that? Let me, let me show you what I'm talking about. Uh, it was a very short track career. I was a Cub Scout. 
right? As a Cub Scout, and they took us to this place called Randall's Island. You'll, you'll see how this all ties in in a second. They took us to this place called Randall's Island, and they had the Cub Scouts Olympics, right? And, and so I'm all excited, and I find out that I'm running in a relay, right? And I'm the last leg. That was a big mistake that they made, putting me last leg on the, on the relay race. But in any event, there's a bunch of kids. It's like 20 of us stretched across this uh, stretched across this track. There's like two of us in each lane and all that. And we're all ready. And they go, go. And we're all running, right? So everybody's running. And I'm waiting. And they finally get the, the baton to me at the end. And I'm running. And I'm running my little heart out. And I swear, I thought I'm going to win, right? And one of the things that they taught us for this race was that when you get to the end, you got to lean, right? Lean. I didn't know any better. I thought you're supposed to lean whether you're in the front or in the back. Well, I'm all the way in the back, right? I, I, I was running like I was in the front. My point with that is this. You know, I was thinking about that between services, and I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of something. If you ever watch the Olympics or you watch any professional competitive race, here's what you'll find, that at the very end of the race, it's always real close, but they do something interesting. Everybody at the last moment stretches as far as they can while they're running for a purpose, to win. And I want to tell you something about the stretch that we find ourselves sometimes in in life. That faith is a lot like this. You know, the Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, but he gets back up. See what I mean when I tell you you're made of tough stuff? You're made to bounce back. And there are times in life where for whatever reason, we feel stretched. I'm in one of those seasons right now. And in the midst of that stretch, we can oftentimes get discouraged. We can give up. We can quit. We can say, this isn't for me. And what I want you to see today from God's word is that it's in the stretch that great things are happening. See, the thing that you might not realize is that faith is a stretch. It's all about stretching you. It pushes us beyond what we see pushes us beyond the limits that we place upon ourselves and it encourages us to get back up and push through for the stretch, through the stretch for the win in life. The Bible says that our faith uh, is the substance of that which we hope for and it's the evidence of that which we do not see. Check this out. That's talking about you stepping into something you can't see, you can't feel, you don't know, you've never been there and yet in the midst of it, you have to take that step of faith. You ever watch that movie, Indiana Jones? Don't, don't ask me which one. I, I, could, I couldn't tell you. But in one of them, this guy's in some temple and he's trying to get to a chalice and he's following some map and he gets to a point where the map says he can walk across, but there's nothing there. And he's standing at the edge of what seems like nothing and an abyss that he's going to fall into and he's looking at the map and he's looking at the floor and he's looking at the map and he's looking at the drop and then he finally gets to a point where he simply closes his eyes and he takes a step. Listen, it's in the stretch that we begin to take greater steps and discover where God is leading us. And so faith is a stretch. And so as I said, we've been in the book of James and today we're going to be uh, landing in James chapter 5. I'm going to just recap the first couple of verses um, and then we'll dive in. But basically, at the beginning of James chapter 5, James starts off by addressing this issue of people that learn to trust in themselves. 
to depend upon themselves. They're trusting upon themselves and they're also trusting upon their resources. They're very confident in the riches that they have. And in the midst of that, James is bringing correction and he's addressing this issue of self-dependence and he's saying specifically as if he was speaking to these people, he's saying to them, you're trusting in your riches, but it's going to get you nowhere. I'm paraphrasing here. In one verse, he says, you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You've fattened yourselves for the day of slaughter. In other words, what he's basically saying is this. Hey, you've learned to depend on you. And what's interesting about that is that then he switches gears in verse 7 of James chapter 5, which is where we're going to pick up today. And he ends, it's like he's speaking to these people. He's saying, in light of what you see, do this. And watch how he starts. He says, be patient. Be patient. Go ahead and tell a neighbor, be patient. patient. Go ahead and tell somebody else on the other side, be patient. Now, I want to push you you and stretch you a little bit. I want you to go ahead and tell somebody you don't know. You don't know. No, 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 no. (laughs) Stop following Carol, please. (laughs) Listen, you want to tell somebody you don't know, be patient. So go ahead and stretch out your comfort zone and reach out to somebody you don't know and tell them, be patient. Uh, Listen, you know what James is doing here? It's almost as if he's writing to them and he's saying, I know that you're focused upon these people that look like they got it all together. But the riches that they have and as good as it may look, it's, it's leading to nothing. And, though, and then he pulls them back to this side of the fence. And he says to them, be patient. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. Because the Lord's coming is near. As James is beginning to wrap up this letter to them, he reserves his last and most important words to all of us by telling us, be patient until the Lord's coming. Now that word patient there is interesting because literally what it means is to be long, of a long spirit. You know what it's talking about? It's talking about not losing heart. It's talking about persevering, And being brave in the face of misfortunes and troubles and offenses and and, and injuries. In other words, here's what James is saying. Here's what God's saying through James. He's saying that instead of fighting and resisting the stretching we feel as we live by faith, he's saying, hey, endure the stretch because it's propelling us towards something greater. You know, there's this guy here at the church. As a matter of fact, even uh, Carol here, one of our sisters here, um, they're into these marathons. Don't ask me why. I don't know what would possess somebody to run a marathon, right? But here's what's even crazier. Last year, Carol was doing a half marathon, and one of the other guys here, his name is Yogi, he was doing a 26-mile marathon. And he says, Pastor! And Carol did the same thing. Pastor! You got to come and run this marathon with me. And I said, the devil is a liar. 
I'm not running a marathon. Do you know what 26 miles is of running? Right? And so I'm remembering a time where Yogi, he's all excited. He says, Pastor, you got to run this marathon with me. As a matter of fact, I'm going to, he got a whole shirt design and the, 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 the number on it. He had a church name on it and everything it was real cool. And all that. he says, you got to run this with me. And I said, well, what does it actually take to run 26 miles? He says, well, you know, we'll start training now. Mind you, this is six months before. And this is a guy who get, he's in his 50s and he gets on a bike and he goes, yeah, let's go for a bike ride. His bike weighs like two ounces. You can lift it up with your fingers. But you know why it weighs that? Because this guy rides 50, 60 miles at a clip. And so I'm like, I'm not riding with you. I'm not running with you. I'm not doing any of that with you. I'm not. But you know, it's not that I can't physically run. I'll prove it to you. Look, I can run. See, I can run. But it's a completely different story when you're going to run 26 miles. The issue isn't that I can't run. The issue is that I don't want to endure 26 miles. That stretch. And you know, sometimes if we, if we could just be honest with ourselves, what we do is this, in the midst of the stretch, we say, I don't want to be here. I don't want to endure this. I don't want to undergo this. This is not for me. I didn't sign up for this. Well, let me tell you something about faith. Faith takes perseverance. Let me tell you something about trusting God and living life with God. It takes endurance. It's going to stretch you. It's going to push you past that which is comfortable. That's what faith is about. I used to think that Faith was for fluffs. Here's what I mean. I used to think that faith was this fluffy stuff. You know, it's, oh, you know, it's just, you know, that's people getting in touch with their feminine side. But then when I finally came to understand how much God loved me and I began to look in this word, I began to see something different. That faith, that takes courage. Faith takes endurance. Faith is not for the faint hearted. Walking with God takes something. It builds something in you. And so I want you to consider what's happening here. That it's the reason why James equates patience in the stretch to that of a farmer. Let's put up verse 7 again. Watch what he says. He says, see how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop? Patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. I want you to consider what's happening here. A farmer takes a seed. And just to get that seed in the ground, that's work to prepare that land. But he sows this seed expecting a harvest later on. But watch this. In between the seed being sowed and the harvest, there's a time of endurance. It's the patience of waiting for this seed to develop. It's the patience of enduring the process of nurturing and watering. And in this particular verse, he's talking about the farmer who understands I'm sowing the seed and it's out of season. And so I got to tend to it until the rains come. So that then this harvest can begin to produce. What I want you to begin to see here is that there is a process in faith. Look at Genesis chapter 8.22. It tells us something about endurance. And it uses 
the earth, as an example, it says, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I want to point your attention to something in Genesis 8.22. I want you to see that as long as the earth endures, there's seed time and harvest. Everybody understands seed time. That's when you sow seeds. Everybody understands harvest time. That's when you reap your crop. But you know what we fail to realize? What's in between. I like to read it this way. Seed, time, and then harvest. Seed, time, and then harvest. See, we all understand the importance of sowing seed and the end result of a harvest. But we have to remember the process in between the seed and the harvest. And it's time. For some of us, we get a harvest a little bit more quicker. For others, it takes us a little bit longer. Ladies and gentlemen, either one, there's nothing wrong. But what we need to appreciate and understand is that there is development in the stretch. I can assure you this. Some of you, you're being stretched. And what you need to realize is instead of complaining, because it's not going to get you anywhere, what you need to appreciate is that in the midst of it, there's an opportunity for growth. For growth. Right? So you can't have faith results without the process in between. And so watch what he goes on to say in James chapter 5, verses 9 through 11. He says, don't grumble against one another. Go ahead and tell somebody, don't grumble. Now go ahead and tell yourself, don't grumble. Don't grumble. He says, don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. You know what he's saying? Look at the prior examples that we have of men and women of God. And look how they persevered. He says, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. Watch this. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Some of us are undergoing some stretching at this moment while on this journey of faith. It does not feel comfortable. And what we need to remember is that we are in development. Look, I get it. Nobody likes to undergo stretching in their faith. Nobody likes it. Wait, you mean I can't just go to church and hear somebody preach and read my Bible like a good Christian and maybe sing some songs along the way and turn on my radio during the week as I'm on my way to work? You mean I can't just do that? You mean I got to do more than that? You mean that there's actually something that's supposed to happen that pushes me beyond what I'm comfortable with? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Nobody likes the, the stretching of their faith. None of us like to get outside of our comfort zones. That's the reason why I don't want to run a marathon. Because I don't want to run for 26 miles. But you know what's interesting about marathons? There comes a point where the strongest runners get to a place of complete exhaustion. Your body gives out. Your limbs begin to shake. 
You feel like you cannot go on. You feel like you are out of breath. You feel like you can't go not one more step. And it's in that place, in that stretch, that you're, you're, you're reeling with thoughts and you're going, man, I ran 15 miles. I can quit and still be good. Not the average person can run 15 miles. You know, I'm tired. Well, you know, I trained all this time. Well, you know what? I'll just stop now and I'll walk for a little bit. And then, you know, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just call it quits this time and I'll come back next year. And in the midst of all that, the person that makes it through the stretch is the one that says, no, we're pressing forward. I'm not giving up. You know, your body gets to a point. There's a scientific term. I believe it's called runner's euphoria. Where you get to that place where you can't anymore and then you say, I will. And all of a sudden, your body kicks into second gear. And you get a fresh breath of wind that pushes you a strength and you push through and you make it to the end. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I will build to make it through the stretch. It's in the stretch that you discover how great your faith is. And so look, man, I, I get it. We don't want to be stretched. We don't want to get past comfort. But we have to get past the place. We got to stop our grumbling and get a picture of what's really happening when we're stretched. And I love what verse 11 says in James chapter 5. It says, as you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. I want you to see what happens in perseverance. Listen, there's blessing in the stretch. There's a greater exercise of the blessing of God in the stretch. You discover how good God is. It's not that he's only good when things are going wrong. No, God is always good. And by the way, FYI, just a quick uh, rabbit trail. God is not the author of our problems. God is not the one who inflicts hardships upon us. God does not put sickness upon you. God does not give you uh, difficulties. God is not testing your faith. Listen, let me tell you why I say that. Because God does not, God, God is completely clear on what he's done in you. It's what he did in Christ. It's not contingent upon what you do for God. It's based upon what Christ did in your faith in him and how you respond in faith according to that. That makes sense? But I want you to see something here. That there's a process of cooperation in this life of faith. And in those moments when we're stretched, it's when we have to exercise our faith. And we discover what God's already done in us. Amen? And so check this out. We count as blessed those who have persevered, the word says. And so there's blessing in the stretch. And today I want you to see something that great things happen in the stretch. Great things happen in those moments where you think you can't, but you decide, I will. Notice that the scripture says that we should take into consideration the prophets and how they persevered. And basically what James is alluding to here is look at the example of the men and women of God before us. And look how they made it through. And you know, as I was praying about this and preparing for this a couple of weeks ago, I was thinking about this guy called Moses. You ever heard of him? This guy, Moses, surface level, this guy was awesome. It was amazing. I mean, God did some amazing miracles through this guy. But the thing is that Moses himself had to undergo a process where he was stretched. God called Moses to be a deliverer. 
He said, hey, Moses, he's walking by, right, with some sheep. This guy's 80 years old at the time, and he's on the run. He's wanted in Egypt, the major dominating uh, country of the region, the empire of the, of the time. And he's on the run. He grew up in Egypt, and he killed an Egyptian. So he's on the run. He's been out there 40 years in these desert lands, trying to live on the low, making sure nobody knows him. And one day he's walking through uh, this, this desert land area. He's with some animals, and there's a bush that's on fire. But the thing is that this bush is burning, but it's not being consumed. And as he's looking at it, he's saying, man, that's weird. I've never seen that. A voice speaks to him. God speaks to him. And he says to him, hey, Moses, I'm calling you to go back to Egypt. And he goes, me? And God says to him, listen, Moses, you are the person that I'm choosing to go deliver my people. And Moses goes, but God, you just don't understand. I'm... I, 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 I stutter. I'm not qualified. I'm not eloquent with my words. And God says, oh, no, don't worry about it. I'll fill, you, I'll fill your mouth with the words. You don't have to worry about that. And he goes, no, 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 but, 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 but God, but, but, but God, who am I? And he comes up with all these excuses and all these things. And God says, I've chosen you, Moses. I'm sending you. I'm sending you, Moses. Hey, that should encourage us. Because sometimes we come up with our own excuses. We come up with our own excuses. Why I can't. Why I won't. Why it's better for me to just stay right here with my little old sheep on the run from life and from my purpose and my calling in God. But God calls us outwards. He calls us outwards. And so Moses goes to Egypt and he brings this message to the people of Israel and he tells them, God sent me. And then he goes to Pharaoh and he goes through a series of of moments of rejection where Pharaoh says, no, I'm not doing this. And he does all these great miracles that God told him he would do. And all this stuff happens. And finally, Pharaoh says, just get out of here. Get all your people out of here. I don't want you here. And Moses and the people of Israel leave. And when they leave from this place, Egypt, they leave in real good condition. Listen, the Egyptians gave them all their riches, gave them all their possessions and say, here, just go, just take it all. And as they're leaving, they're leaving because God has told them through Moses that I'm taking you to a land of promise. It's a good land. It's a land of blessing. And so the people are leaving and they're rejoicing. But then all of a sudden they get to what seems like a standstill. They're facing a place called the Red Sea. And while they're facing the Red Sea, here's what they hear. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But they're watching the sea, right? Sorry, guys. I was just thinking about our vacation. We were at Cape May, and and we're taking a rabbit trail here. We're, we're, We're on the beach and uh, we're just looking at the water. And my wife goes, I just saw something in the water. And I was like, oh, stop it. She goes, no, I'm telling you, I just saw a fin. Maybe it was a shark. I'm like, babe, there are no sharks here. She's like, hon, that's an ocean. I'm like, babe, there is nothing there. And then I'm like, wait, what was that? <laughs> it was dolphins. You actually see, they, they, there was a, like a school of them. It was like two or three. And I was like, oh, those are just dolphins. Anyway, back to the story. So they're facing the Red Sea. 
And it seems impossible. And they're saying to themselves, how are we going to make it? The problem is that it's not just the sea that they're facing. Because they begin to hear their enemies. See, Pharaoh gathers his armies because he realizes, what did I just do? We can't let our slaves go. We got to go get, we got to go get them back. How's the nation going to run? How are we going to produce and get all this great stuff for free? We got to go back and get them. And so he mounts up with his armies and he heads towards them and he's running towards them. And now they're pinned between the Red Sea and a great enemy. Let's look at Exodus 14 verses 10 through 12 and see what happens. It says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. Good move. They cry out to God. But then watch where they went wrong. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in this desert. So watch this. They're in a tight position. And they've reached a place where they feel like we're limited. There's nowhere else to go. We can't make it. We might as well just give up. Now we're in a bad situation. They're being stretched to the max. And in the midst of this, they start off right, but then they go wrong. Let me encourage you with this. Here's what some of us do, just like them. We say, Ay Dios mío, ayúdame. Right? We say, oh God, help me. God, your word says, good move. But then watch what they do. They turn to Moses and they go, why'd you bring us here to die? They start complaining. See this? A double mind? Doesn't the word say that a double-minded man can expect to receive nothing from God? So they're in a tight situation. And they're crying and they're complaining. And see, just like the people of Israel, God has taken us out of a kingdom that once had dominion over us. It's called the kingdom of darkness. The Bible says that he's translated us into the kingdom of the son of his love. That we are now part of a royal priesthood, that we're chosen of God, that we're blessed of God. And so we no longer belong back there. And you're no longer under the dominion of your past and the enemy's lies that remind you of what was once behind you. But let me ask you a question. Why is it that sometimes that's the direction we tend to look in? We look back and somehow expect to move forward. That's madness. There's no, nothing's going to happen there. And so you see, in the stretch, let me teach you something here. The past always looks better. You know why? Because you've been there. Because you've done that. Because you crossed that hurdle. But you know what's interesting about this? That we can become so used to what, uh, bad conditions and bad situations in the past, and we tolerate them. And so now here it is, God is saying, I'm calling you out of that. I'm calling you out of those relationships. I'm calling you out of that mindset. I'm calling you out of your your past. I'm calling you out of your mistakes. I'm calling you out of all that. But here's what we do. We go, we, we, we start stepping out of it in faith and we begin to experience change and then things get a little difficult and we go, oh man, why, 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 why do we have to leave Egypt? 
I was better off just being a slave to that abuse. I was better off just struggling. At least I knew what to expect. That's what they're saying. That's exactly what they're saying. We got to be careful. See, in those moments when we're stretched, we can be tempted to look backwards. And when we look backwards, it's easy to go back because we've already been there. The problem is, backwards isn't where God called you to. God has called you to move forward. He's called you to move forward. Listen, these people were leaving with a promise that they were going to a land of promise. Just like you and me. What does the word say in First uh, Peter chapter 2, I believe it is. It says that by these great and precious promises, we partake of God's divine nature. We partake of everything that is God's, that's in us, that he's provided. And so check this out. We've got to get past this place where we're looking backwards. We can't get there any longer. I like what Paul says. I believe it's in Galatians chapter 3. He says to the Galatians, you, uh, he, says, he says, who bewitched you? And what he's talking about is, he's talking to them about them uh, thinking that they can serve God according to the law. And he's saying to them, you haven't been justified by the law. You've been justified by the spirit of, of faith. You've, you've been set free. You're now called into freedom in Christ. So why are you trying to go backwards? And so there's this tension there. And he says to them, who bewitched you? And what's interesting about that word bewitched there in the King James, the original language, is that that word bewitched means to charm someone. Let me tell you what happens sometimes in the stretch. In the stretch of life, there are times where things get so hard or we feel so pulled and we think we, have, we, we can't go any further. And in the midst of that, what we do is we buy into things. It's a smoke screen. And we deviate from what God has called us to and we miss the other side because we've become enchanted with that which holds a false sense of promise. We're believing something that's not true. And so I love how Paul puts it. Who bewitched you? Who charmed you? Let me tell you something. In the midst of the stretch, you've got to stay focused upon what God says. All right. And so let's look at Exodus chapter 14, verses 13 through 16. He says, Moses answered the people. So mind you, they've complained to him. Now, watch this. Moses himself is in a difficult situation. He's in a stretch. It says, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Wait, Pastor Jose, I thought you said that he was in a difficult situation. He sounds like he's pretty, he's pretty good. He's pretty strong. Watch this. Verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses... Why are you crying to me? I want you to see what's happening here. Moses is encouraging the people. But at the same time, he's complaining to God. Here's what that looks like. Let me give it to you from a pastor's perspective. Man, you can believe God's best for you. And in the midst of it, I'm going, God, they're not getting it. Why, why are they growing in God? Why is it so hard? And this, but here I am encouraging you. But at the same time, I'm speaking out the other side of my mouth, complaining to God. Oh, I'm sorry. You've never been there. You've never been there. Okay. Okay. I get it. I get it. All right. 
It's just for us, us beginners, you know, we go through that, sorry. But I want you to see what's happening here. At first, it sounds like Moses has this whole thing under wraps. But what we see is that he didn't. He didn't have it under wraps. He's complaining to God while he's encouraging these people. And, he sa- and, and, and God says to him, uh, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Watch this. Raise your staff, hear this closely, and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Can I just share something with you here? Here's what we do sometimes in the stretch. How's this going to work out? We cross our arms and we go, man, this is so hard. God, I don't, I don't know, but I think this one's going to dim the lights in heaven. God, I, I don't know if you can provide this one. Oh, God, I don't think anybody's ever been through this one. I don't know, Lord. And watch what God says to Moses. He says, stretch your hand. Get past your complaints. Get to the place where you begin to do something with your faith. Because I'm the one who's called you and I'm the one who told you that you're going through this sea. Did you forget about what I did with all the people of Egypt? Did you forget the great deliverance and the power that I exerted against your enemies and how I defeated them time and time again and showed myself strong? Is my arm too short? Have you forgotten who I am? And so here he is complaining. God's like, Moses, why are you crying to me? Why are you crying to me? Why are you crying? See, God's calling you to stretch out in the midst of those things that you feel are stretching you. Listen, you can either be stretched or you can manage and control how the stretch works in your life. You are called to be in the seat of victory. That's your place. And so he says to him, stretch out your hand, Moses. But watch what he says to him. Stretch out your hand over the sea. You know what God's telling him? I'm calling you to do something in response to who I am in your life in the midst of those very things that seem like they're impossible. He's saying, you're going through this sea. And so stretch out towards that sea. Can I tell you something? Stop running from those things that are stretching you and causing you to grow. Don't run from them. Stop running from them. Stop running from them. The stretch is a good place. See, God doesn't call you to be prepared for the stretch. He prepares you for it. But watch this. But he does prepare you while you're being stretched. When In those moments where you're being stretched, there is preparation happening. There's a process that's undergoing. I'm not telling you that God is putting you in difficult situations. But what I am telling you is this, that when difficult times come, God is doing something in you. Reminds me of a story that I once read. It's actually a fable. It says that there was a water bearer in India who had two large pots. Each of them hung on each end of a pole which he carried across his neck. And one of the pots had a crack in it, while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water at the end of a long walk from the stream to the point where they got to the master's house. 
and the, the cracked pot would always uh, arrive only half full because of its crack. And so for a two full years, this went on daily with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots full of water to his master's house. And of course, the perfect pot was proud of its accomplishments. It was perfect to the end for which it was made. It always brought a full pot of water. But the cracked pot was ashamed of its own imperfections. And it was miserable because it felt like it was unable to accomplish what it was made to do because it only brought half a pot every time. After two years of what this cracked pot perceived to be failure, it spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. And it said to the water bearer, I'm ashamed of myself. I want to apologize to you. Apologize for what? Asked the bearer. Why? What are you ashamed of? And the cracked pot responded, I've been able for these past few years to deliver only half of my load because of this crack in my side, which causes the water to leak out all the way back to our master's house. Because of my flaws, because of my imperfections, you have to do all this work and you don't get the full value of your efforts. The water bearer had compassion as he looked at the pot. And he said to him, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. And so indeed, as they went up the hill, the old crack pot took notice of the sun warming the beautiful flowers on the side of the path. And this cheered it some. But at the end of the trail, it still felt ashamed. If, because it had, lead, it had leaked out half of its load. And so again, the pot continued to apologize for its perceived failure. The bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were flowers only on your side of the path, but not on the other side? That's because I've always known about what you think is a weakness and imperfection, but I work through it. I planted flower seeds on both sides of the path, and every day while we walk, we walk back from the stream, you've watered your side. For two years, I've been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way that you are, how would I be able to work through you and grow something beautiful? I want you to think about something here. The truth is that none of us has arrived. But if you're a follower of Christ, you've certainly left. You're in the stretch. And what I want you to see is that there is growth occurring in the midst of this stretch called life. As we're wrapping up here, I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul, the book of Philippians. This guy's sitting in prison. He's old already. And he's towards the end of what he thinks is his life, the end of his life, of his journey. And Paul finds himself in a stretched situation. Listen to his words in Philippians chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. He says, if I'm going to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. 
Let me tell you something about those moments when you're in the stretch. When you're in the stretch, focus on your purpose, not the problems. Let me teach you something from the life of Paul. Paul is in a tough situation. He's about to be martyred. And yet, while he knows what awaits him, he's saying, man, I'm looking forward to going home to being with Christ. But yet, I still want to remain here with you because I know there's still more to come from it. And so he says, here's what I'm confident of, that it's not the end. I know that there's still more fruit to come. And so I'm choosing the guilt that they've ascribed to me. I'm focusing upon what God has called me to and my purpose instead of these problems. Listen, when you're stretched, don't forget who's called you. And don't forget what he's called you to. You're made of tough stuff. You'll make it. You can make it. You can make it. And so getting back to this guy, Moses, here he is being strong for the people. And at the same time, he's crying out. He's saying, man, this is impossible. And God says to him, stop crying to me. Stretch out your hand over the sea so you can divide it and make a way. See, just when you think you can't, that's when you find out that you really can. Ladies and gentlemen, miracles happen in the stretch. I said miracles happen in the stretch. God doesn't operate in the realm of your possibilities. God operates in his realm of possibilities. The thing is that we have to stretch and persevere so that we can tap into that which has already been made available unto us in Christ. In Exodus 14, 21 through 27, the Bible says that Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind. And turned it into dry land. You know what's interesting here? Think about this. God tells him, Moses, stretch your hand. Stretch it over the sea. Up until that point, nothing's happened. It's not that God can't. It's not that God wouldn't. It's that God's saying, hey, I'm calling you to stretch in your faith. I'm calling you to persevere and endure. I'm calling you to take a step into the unknown. And so Moses stretches his hand and the power of God is released. Hey, let me say something to you. It, be, it would behoove us not to stretch forth in our faith. Because it's those moments when we don't, that we don't see the hand of God that's already at work in our lives. God's done his job, ladies and gentlemen, but we have to cooperate in faith with God and we'll see the seas part before us. And so the Bible says that the waters were divided in verse 22 and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And it says that the Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire in the cloud at the Egyptian army and he threw them into confusion. It says in verse 25 that he jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving. And the Egyptians said, let's get away from these Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. And Moses, watch what he did once again. He stretched out his hand over the sea. 
And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it, and the Lord swept them into the sea. And the water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. Let me share a final thought here with you as we stand. Life in the stretch is a place of transition between what was and what is. Hear what I'm saying here. Don't you ever forget the next time you find yourself stretched, stretched in your faith, stretched in your patience, stretched in circumstances, stretched with your children, stretched in your trust with God, stretched in the midst of that. You got to understand what's happening in the stretch. It's a good thing. You're moving from a place of what once was where you were comfortable and you're moving to a greater place A higher place. You're going from one level of faith to another experience in faith. You're going from one step of glory into another step of glory. And so the reason why you're feeling stretched and uncomfortable is because you're transitioning. You're stepping into something you never knew. And you're leaving something that was comfortable and something that you knew and you understood and you could easily do. Ladies and gentlemen, in the stretch, you're growing. In the stretch, you're stepping into greater things. Don't fight the stretch. Fight through the stretch. Don't resist the stretch. Press through it. Because it's in that that you continue to grow. And you'll see the great miracles that God has already provided on your behalf. Amen.